0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, August the 17th, 2020. On today's show, folks, we've got a good one. Fall camp is beginning. The 2020 football season is almost here. I'm narrowing it down to the top five storylines as we head into fall camp and the Gamecocks beginning fall camp on Tuesday, getting ready for this 2020 football season. I will break it down. My top five storylines you need to watch for as we head into fall camp. Also, tons of news and notes to get into, your listener questions, and a fantastic interview. Guys, one of the best conversations I've ever had on these airwaves. A.J. Turner, former Gamecocks running back and really do-it-all player for South Carolina. He joins the show, obviously played as recently as last year, a phenomenal combo and one you surely will not want to miss. Before we get into everything, this is a podcast sent to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. SeatGeek, the best ticket-buying app by far, the only ticket-buying app I use, and the only one that I recommend. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SpursUp. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, Breathe that in. Football is in the air, ladies and gentlemen. We are just 40 days away from kickoff. The team is getting on the field this week to prepare for the 2020 football season. I'm fired up for it if you can't tell. But you're going to need tickets because we're planning on having some fans. We don't know how many at this point, but some fans in the stadium. And, guys, listen. At some point, this world's going to return back to normal, right? You're going to have to get tickets. But one thing that is changing is the way that you buy tickets. You want to make sure you have the best possible app. SeatGeek has got a great ticket rating system, which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting. So, guys, you're going to know everything you need to know before you click that buy button. Where you're sitting, what you're paying, are you getting a steal, are you getting ripped off? It's going to give you that peace of mind so that when you click the buy button, you're going to know, hey, I'm getting the best bang for my buck. I can just simply go enjoy my event. And guess what? The money you save... Use it on gas, use it on food, use it on whatever you like. I don't care, but you're going to get the best bang for your buck. And again, they're changing the game when it comes to ticket buying. Again, they're the only app that I use. Everything I go to, everything I go to, I use the guys over at SeatGeek. They're phenomenal. So again, that's our friends at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Let's get it. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I'm fired up. I'm excited. I'm pumped up, guys. Football is in the air. We can taste it. We're so close to season. Fall camp getting underway this week. The team reporting today. Students have moved back in, guys. I can tell you this. I'm in Columbia. Obviously, live in Columbia. There is just a different energy in the air right now. Again, everybody's getting back on campus. We got football slowly but surely getting here. The schedule is coming out tonight, by the way, which again, has put me in such a great mood when they announced that Sunday afternoon. I, I'm just, I'm fired up, guys. Hope you're having a fantastic day. The start of a fantastic week. Happy Monday, everyone. Again, it's a beautiful day in the city. I'm really pumped up again with fall camp starting this week. Tuesday, practice gets going. We're going to talk about it. I, I'm just, again, it, it's in the air. You can smell it. You can almost taste it. We're 40 days away from kickoff. And guys, fingers crossed, we're going to press forward and get a football season, right? We're going to get a football season. We, how lucky are we? If you woke up today, you're winning. It's like I said on social media. If you woke up today, you're winning. Half perspective. It's a great day. I'm fired up. I don't know what else to say. I'm giddy. I'm giddy. That's the right adjective. I am giddy today, folks, that we're talking football that is actually happening on the field. Very, very excited. Before we get into everything, rate and subscribe if you have it. As always, I do appreciate you guys that have rated the show, that have subscribed to the show, whatever. I do appreciate you guys that have done that. We're trying to hit 300 reviews Uh, on iTunes. We're very, very, very close. Whatever platform you're on, though, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever it may be, take five seconds out of your day. Go leave five stars. Go leave your thoughts, your feedback, whatever it may be, things you like about the show you don't like about the show. That's the place to do it. And also, of course, if you're not subscribed and tuned in, I'm not sure what you're doing, make sure you hammer that subscribe button. Guys, the podcast is going to go back to daily shows at some point. When the season gets here, I'm going back to daily podcasts. You're going to want those notifications because you're not going to want to miss a show that drops. So make sure you hammer that subscribe button as well. Also, with the announcement of the schedule means that NCAA 14 streams are back this week. This week. And I'm so pumped. Now, they're going to be a little bit different. Well, really a lot different than they were last year. So... With the issues with PlayStation 3 and just how tough it is to stream a PlayStation 3 game via Twitch, um, we will not be doing the streams via Twitch. Instead, I will be going the route of Periscope on my phone and basically recording the TV on my phone. Did a little bit of a test run on Saturday, or maybe it was Friday, I don't know, but did a test run. Looked pretty good. Again, I still think people should be able to get the gist and it should be able to work out. It should be able to go. I just did not want to sacrifice how bad the quality was going to be on Twitch. But I'm fired up because those NCAA 14 streams, listen, they're a blast. I mean, t- take them for what they are. I know people last year were coming at me, oh, man, it's not that serious, bro. Just have some fun with it. Like, well, don't don't get mad at somebody because they're wanting to have some fun, right? So I'm really excited, really fired up. I've got the up-to-date rosters, NCAA 14 streams coming back this week, guys. I'm so excited. Uh, last thing really quickly, Rowdy Rooster Radio returns. Shortening, though. We're changing it up. Until the season gets here, I thought about this, we're going to shorten it to one hour per day, five to six, Monday through Friday. The reason for the shortening, just not enough going on right now, especially with the call-ins. There's just not enough going on right now to justify doing two hours. Once the season actually gets here, I think I'm going to go back to two hours. because Listen, there's going to be a lot more people interacting, a lot more people calling in, stuff like that. But Rowdy Rooster Radio, either way, returns this week, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 now. Instead of 4 to 6, we're going 5 to 6 every single day, taking your calls, having people pop in for guest interviews. It's a lot of fun. It's a good time. And really just hear me ramble my thoughts. I mean, literally the other day, I was laying on the couch like I was at a therapist's office, just venting about everything going on. So, it's... It's a good time. Make sure you tune in that. It's on blogtalkradio.com. Also, just follow Rowdy Rooster Radio on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, um, to know when the show happens. But Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 now is what we're going to do. All right. Let's jump into it, baby. Football is back. The team is getting on the field this week. Like, how good does that feel, right? Gamecocks reporting today. Again, students have basically moved back in, but the Gamecocks football team reporting today officially tomorrow officially starting fall camp and i figure hey there's a lot of things going on right now um in regards to things that i think south kind fans really need to keep a sharp eye on i'm going to break it down to, to the top five storylines as we head into fall camp here the five things you need to be watching and let's start number one and i just sort of mentioned listen 2020 has shown us that you know that famous lyric if you want to hear god laugh tell him your plans right well 2020 has not exactly gone to plan the way we thought. And obviously things are ever changing. The numbers are coming out. You know, you, you see all the people on social media and you, if you watch the news at all, which I don't, I try to stay away from all the negativity, but whatever. You hear the numbers coming out. We see what's going on. The top storyline, in my opinion, it has to be, is just the ongoing pandemic situation. You know, I saw a video over the weekend where Georgia is putting in the face shield thing and the helmet, which I'm sure every team is going to do. I think it's stupid. I think the players are going to hate it. But if they feel like that's going to keep the guys safe, and so be it. But it's just going to be really interesting. Again, the top storyline for sure, because it's going to be something we're evaluating on a daily basis. You know, obviously, they're going to be testing all the time. Uh, they're going to be making sure these guys are safe, these guys are healthy. And not just the pandemic itself, but just how South Carolina and how every other college team handles the pandemic and what the pandemic is throwing at you because we're not just talking on the field right these guys are going to be going to class these guys are on campus they're going to be out and about not just South Carolina this is every SEC team every college football team that is playing right now in the three main conferences can the Gamecocks stay healthy stay safe like how does this change how does the ongoing pandemic situation do the numbers get better do they get worse Um, I think South Carolina and every other school is doing a fantastic job in the way they're trying to keep these guys safe keep these guys healthy they have the best infrastructure as far, you know, a lot of people say, Oh, you know, these, no, dude, when you look at the facility, what these guys have at their disposal with the medical people, the medical staff, how much they're going to be getting tested. These schools are going to be doing everything to make sure that these guys are safe. So how the pandemic changes as we go through fall camp, because again, I think this is going to be a thing that changes day to day. It could change for the better. It could change for the worse. It might stay neutral a little bit, but I think it's – again, if you can't have a successful fall camp in regards to the pandemic situation, you're not going to have a season. So, if you're a South Carolina fan, if you're a college football fan in general, if you're a sports fan and you just love the game of college football, we've got to keep our fingers crossed that everything goes according to plan. And listen, like I said, nothing in 2020 has gone according to plan. Absolutely nothing has gone according to plan. We all know that. But you've got to hope that you – and you've got to pray – that you can get through fall camp with no major issues upcoming. Now, is it realistic to think that nobody on any college football team is going to get the virus? I think it's probably a little unrealistic because, listen, these guys are on campus. Like, what do you even, – even if they just go from the facility to their dorm, they're going to be around other students. I mean, it's just inevitable. And people are going to get the virus. I think you saw it at Oklahoma already. I think guys went home or something like that. and Like nine guys came back and had it. And, you know, they weren't showing symptoms, whatever. But if you can nip that in the bud, I mean, all all you're going to be able to do is handle it to the best of your ability. So, again, the ongoing pandemic, just how it shifts, how it shakes the way um, South Carolina and every other school does things. Because, hey, do you have to reschedule practices? Like, what what will be the protocols? I'll be very interested to see. And, again, I think that's why it's a certainly – the top storyline to head into fall camp, not just for South Ghana, but college football as a whole. My number two top storyline to watch heading into fall camp. And this one's pretty easy. This one's pretty simple. Mike Bobo, installing Mike Bobo's scheme. This set of practices, which they're getting more practices than normal, but this set of practices it's already important for every single football team, right? This is where you kind of figure out who you are. You install different things. If you're installing new things, whatever it is, you find out who your top playmakers are. You find out who you're going to depend on this season, right? Fall camp's important as it is. But especially for a school like a South Carolina, I think a Georgia as well, because they have a new offensive coordinator. You know, the Gamecocks didn't get, you know, they got a few practices under their belt, but not, 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 not a ton, not a ton, right? Um, this is an extremely important fall camp. For South Carolina, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you're going to be installing everything in Mike Bobo's scheme, and I'm sure it's going to be like trying to drink water from a fire hose. I mean, really, as much as they're going to be learning all the verbiage, installing everything, um, this is going to be a vital, pivotal fall camp for South Carolina. Because, listen, I've talked about a lot. I've raved, I ran and raved about how good I think the defense can be. The offense is the big question. The offense is the big question. And I think it's going to be really interesting to, you know, to hear once South Carolina, you know, them installing this offense, this scheme. What does that offense look like? Like, what are we hearing from the coaching staff? What are we hearing from the players? I'll be very intrigued just to be, see what are the reports coming out of fall camp. You know what I mean? I, again, I think this fall camp is as pivotal as South has had in a long, long time. Because, again, anytime you're installing, you want to be able to run 100% of your playbook. You want to be able to run 100% of your playbook. And simply put, the Gamecocks are going to have to ingest or digest a lot of information in a very, very short period of time. Because depending how the schedule comes out tonight, who South Carolina plays off the jump, I mean, God, you might be playing a Georgia, a Florida. Who, you know, I, I doubt South is going to get like Vanderbilt to open the season. It's just not our luck to get a game like that to open the year. So, again, installing that scheme, finding out who you are, finding out the identity of this team. You know, that's one thing. I, talking with somebody else, I was talking the other day with a guy. When is the last time South Carolina offensively, you could say as a fan, you can look yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, that was our identity. Like, we knew what our identity was. During the entire Will Muschamp era, I don't think you can say South Carolina has known its identity offensively. It's a week-to-week thing. Well, I guess, I wonder what we'll do this week. Well, will we run it? Will we throw it? I don't know. You need to be able to not just install the scheme, but find out who you are as a team. What pieces do you have? How can you use them to the best of their ability and get the most out of them? you know, get the most out of them. Cause like I said, I think you have a really capable defense, but you got to play some good offensive football to win games, bro. It's all about offense in 2020. It's all about offense in this day and age of college football. So finding out just what this team is good at, what this team is going to be good at, you know, is this team going to be a really good run team? Is it going to be a really good pass team? Is it going to need to run to set up the throw? Is it going to be a bubble screen? Like what is the identity? What is the identity? When you install that scheme, and again, they're going to do that. They're going to get after it every single day. We, we can only hope and pray that South Carolina is actually going to find itself and find its offensive identity when it comes into game one. Because, again, like I said, with this schedule and only 10 games on the schedule, you better come out week one ready to play. You better come out week one ready to play. So, again, installing Mike Bobo's scheme, I think a major, major storyline to watch and follow as we get closer to kickoff. My third top storyline heading into fall camp, and this one sort of bleeds out from the number two top storyline. And maybe this will irritate some of you, upset some of you, whatever. I don't really care because people seem to get sensitive about this topic. But my number three top storyline, does South Carolina have a bit of a quarterback battle on its hands? I mean, listen, I think Ryan Helensky is no question going into fall camp QB1. No question in my mind. And I've been saying all offseason, That I expect him to be QB1. You know, I'm I'm not going to be that guy with, you know, I know there's been a lot of hype around Colin Hill. I've had a lot of people DM me. Hey, man, I think Colin Hill's going to start. Hey, man, I think Colin Hill's going to start. There's been a ton of chatter over the last, like, really two, three weeks, too. There's been a lot of chatter about Colin Hill. There's been a lot of buzz around Colin Hill, the Colorado State transfer. And listen. I'm not going to be fanning the flames of that hype train just yet because, listen, he's a guy that played mediocre at best at Colorado State, could not stay healthy. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding him. But I think it is interesting, and I talked about this before, that Ryan Helensky, no question, going into fall camp is QB1. But but I just talked about you want to be able to run 100% of your playbook. And unfortunately, and you know what? It's not fair necessarily. It's unfortunate for Ryan, <clears throat> but again, he missed out on that spring. He missed out on spring, half of the spring, whatever, getting reps in, learning Mike Bobo's scheme, learning his offense. What does Mike Bobo want? The verbiage of the offense, learning the playbook, but just getting the reps in as well. And there's only so much that <clears throat> there's only so much that studying the playbook and throwing the receivers over the summer is going to do for you. So I'm really just going to be curious to know, and I'm not sure how much the coaches will really hint at anything. You know, Champ really keeps everything pretty damn tight to the vest, to be honest with you. Um, But I'll just be really curious to see, was the buzz for Colin Hill over the summer, was that all it was, was just kind of fabricated buzz that fans were just bored over the off season and kind of just thought maybe they heard rumblings or were just trying to get something, get conversation started. Or, Is there some legitimacy to it? Did South Carolina get a better grad transfer quarterback than maybe get expected? And again, I think Colin Hill, being in Mike Mike Bobo's scheme for four years, he knows the playbook like the back of his hand. That's a huge advantage. I talked about before. Listen, the reason Ryan Linsky won the QB2 job last year over to carry on Joyner, right, was because his throwing ability was that far superior to carry on Joyner supposedly. Okay, and then he takes over as a starter after Jake Milling's hurt. Now, fast forward to this year. <clears throat> All things being equal. Let's say Colin Hill, and we watch the tape, he can sling it a little bit for sure. And again, I talked about this on a, on a previous podcast, I think about a week or two ago. But you watch the film, you watch his highlights. When he's healthy, he can sling it. He throws a pretty ball, no question. So if Ryan Helinski and Colin Hill's throwing ability, let's say they're equal. Neither one of them can run. We know that. Neither, I mean, no offense to either guy, but neither one of them are going to mistake you to be fleet of foot, neither one of them. Um, If the throwing ability of both guys is fairly equal, then you would think that Colin Hill's got a pretty damn good chance to win that job. Because, listen, he comes in as the guy, like I said, that knows that offensive scheme like the back of his hand. You know, it's going to be a much easier, simpler transition. It's going to be a lot smoother of a fall camp. If you have a guy like Colin Hill out there that just knows the entire playbook, again, it's really not even a knock on Ryan Holinsky necessarily. But, you know, it's the difference of can you run 60 or 70% of your playbook or run 100% of it? And that does make a difference. So, like I said, is there a quarterback controversy? No, I certainly don't think so. But I will say this as well. Until you have a guy, you know, I hate to cite Clemson, but until you have a guy like a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields or like a bona fide starter, Like, truly, like, when South Carolina had Connor Shaw, yes, they had a great quarterback or a great backup in Dylan Thompson, but there was no debate who the quarterback was. There there was no, you know, none of that. There there was no debate. There was great competition between those guys, but you all knew. We all knew Connor Shaw's our quarterback, no doubt. When you have a guy like that, it's a given, but as much as I like Ryan Linsky, I don't think you can say that right now. Like, Ryan had an okay freshman season. He did some good things. He did some bad things. Played hurt half the year. Really, basically the whole year he played hurt. So he's fully healthy now. How does that impact it? But I'll just be really curious to see, again, was the Colin Hill chatter, the buzz over the summer, was that all that was? Was that just fabricated buzz? Because, again, I take everything you see on Twitter, and social media over the summer with a grain of salt. I mean, these guys are just out there throwing the ball around, running routes. Nothing is in stone. They're not even practicing yet. Now we're going to get practices. How do we hear Mike Bobo talk about the quarterback position? How do we hear Will Muschamp talk about the quarterback position? And, hey, Will Muschamp was asked about it. Could, could Colin Hill win the starting jacks? I said, absolutely. Absolutely he could. So, listen, with the pandemic being what it is, Will Muschamp – South Carolina may lose every game and Will Muschamp wouldn't get fired. Who knows? Who knows? Because of the financial hits everybody's taking, whatever. That, that's kind of irrelevant. But Will Muschamp and this staff, this team know – that the, ur- the urgency to win is there. This is this is a huge year as far as just showing progress in the program. You know, I, I don't think anybody can debate that. But this is a big year. You need to show a positive trend. You need to show the program is trending the right way. You need to show that you're taking all that great young talent you have on campus and you're doing something with it. You're winning some games. So they're going to play the guy. I, I know it sounds simple, and it's like, no, dust, no shit, Chris. But they're going to play the guy that gives them the best chance to win. And and like I said, I like Ryan. I think he's got a very bright future at South Carolina. But all things being equal, you've got the veteran guy that has supreme knowledge, you would assume, of Mike Bobo's scheme and of his system and what he wants to do. Will a quarterback battle bleed into fall camp? I, I, I will just be very, very, very intrigued to see if the hype train, if the buzz, if that's all it was. Or is there substance to it? Moving into my fourth top storyline heading into fall camp. Fourth top storyline heading into fall camp. I just talked about all that young talent you got on campus. I'm going to move over to the defensive side of the ball. And listen, you've heard me talk a lot of offense because I think that's where the questions are. I mean, really, I think that's where the questions are. I've ranted and raved and feel really, really good about the defense. But listen, they've got some questions on their own. My fourth top storyline. Is these young star-studded defensive recruits are getting their turn, are getting their opportunity to fill in and be the dude? And I'm speaking specifically of Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch. Listen, it's all about recruiting, right? Like, I, I, you can sit there and say, "Oh, you know, recruiting. You know, the the, the rankings are overrated." Like, just get. Listen, I get it, man. Some of the greatest players in South Carolina history, most of them weren't four and five stars. Most of them were three stars. I get it. But I'll tell you this, when you land a five, you need him to pan out. You need him to pan out. I've already said before, I'm expecting big-time things out of Zach Pickens. He will get the opportunity this year to fill in the role, to fill in the void, I should say, that Javon Kinlaw left behind, who's now with the San Francisco 49ers. Departs DJ Wanham, insert Jordan Birch. Listen, I think the great thing with Jordan Birch as well – South Carolina has depth on the defensive front. They have depth in the front seven. Jordan Burch isn't necessarily going to be thrust into action and put in a bad situation or, you know, put in a situation he's not ready for. <clears throat> but again, these young, star studded defensive recruits getting their turn. Can those two guys fill in the voids left by two of your best defensive players? I mean, again, there's no question. Ken Law and Wanam, by far, two of your best. You look at the statistics, they screen that as well especially Ken Law, especially what Ken Law did. So, again, you recruit the guy – you recruit these top guys for them to play like top guys. You know, there's a reason you recruit a guy like a Zach Pickens. There's a reason you recruit a guy like a Jordan Birch. I'm very high on both, especially Pickens. I think Pickens breaks out this year. But that's going to be something to follow as well. You know, what are – you know, and again, you take it all with a grain of salt and fall camp because this is – best shape of your life season. I know everybody looks so – you know what I'm saying? Everybody looks great in fall camp, right? Everybody's 0 and 0 The optimism is high. We'll see what happens as the season progresses and you actually get on the field and take on somebody else. But I'm excited about those two guys, and I'll be very intrigued to see how does the coaching staff talk about them. How does Will Muschamp talk about these young dudes? Because, again, <clears throat> the defensive side, you know, you do have some veteran presence there. You have veteran guys. But those two young dudes, those two young bucks – are as important, if not the most important, pieces on that defense. Um, because again, you recruit these five star guys. Recruiting—if if, you—you cannot tout to me how important recruiting is to a program, to the life of a program. So when you land these five star guys, you need them to pan out. Simply put, you just—you need them to pan out. And I think they will. But I'll be very interested to to follow and track their progress. Because listen. As good as this defense is, you lost two of your two of your top playmakers. Then they were two big time pieces in Wanham and Kinlaw. Can those guys? Are those young guys ready to be the guys South Carolina recruiting to be? Which is big time, all SEC, maybe all American caliber dudes. So very very excited for those guys. I'm very excited for this defense as well. My final top storyline number five. My fifth top storyline heading into fall camp. We go back to the offensive side of the football. Why not? Because there's so many damn questions. We go back to the offensive side of the football. My fifth top storyline is this. We talk about wide receivers. You have Sha Smith, and then who? Who else? Who is wide receiver number two? Who is number three? Who is number four? Who is going to be catching the football for South Carolina? That is a huge, huge question mark. And really, speaking on the wide receivers as a whole, Shaw Smith's got a lot to prove, too. He's never been a one before. Is he ready to fill in that role and be your number one wide receiver, your number one option out there? You know, this is another position where, listen, I just talked about the young, the young uh, recruits on the defensive side. What about these young guys on the offensive side? You know, South Carolina's offense, one of the big storylines with them in this season, you're gonna need these young, skill position guys to step up and play immediately. I'm talking about the Rico Powers of the world. I'm talking about the Mike Wymans of the world. I'm talking about the Marshawn Lloyds of the world. We're talking running backs. You're gonna need those dudes. Because listen, you have some guys at the wide receiver position. That, that's all they've been. They've just been some guys. Or Trey Smith and Josh Van as much – and I talked about them when I broke down the wide receivers. You don't know what you're getting from them. You truly just don't know what to expect at this point. What does the carry-on joiner do now that he's moved to wide receiver? How do they use him? How do they utilize him? God, is Luke Doty going to take reps? What about Xavier Leggett, a guy that I've been really high on, I think, right now? He probably is your number two wide receiver. But Shy Smith and then who else? Who else? Because, listen, I think South Carolina and the Mike Bobo scheme, yes, they're going to run the football a lot. Like, I think they're going to be a run-first team, no question. But you've got to be able to throw the football, bro. You you, you have to. You have got to be able to throw the football in 2020. Who's going to catch it? Who's going to catch it? So, I feel good about Shaw Smith. I, I think he can be an explosive dude, a playmaker. I think he's primed to have his best year at Carolina. He's going to need some help, though. I mean, does that, like I said, does that come in the form of these true freshmen? Does that come in the form of a guy like to carry on Joyner who just moved to wide receiver? Does that come in the form of guys like Ortre Smith and Josh Van finally stepping up? You know, I talked about it. Those two dudes, what did they combined for, like, 179 yards last year? That's pathetic. I mean, that is pathetic from those guys with just how good they are and how much talent they have. It's pathetic. So – Following that, you know, hearing from camp. Listen, we we kind of – you kind of get the, you know, the tidbits. You can kind of pick up on little things as fall camp goes on, what the coaches are saying, sort of who they're talking about, who they're highlighting. Xavier Leggett was that way last year. You know, people were ranting and raving about him. I remember when Shy Smith got on campus. People ranted and raved about him. You know, so who's going to be that guy outside of Shy Smith that's the playmaker for South Carolina? Because this is an offense that desperately needs playmakers. You gotta find them in fall camp. You got to find them in fall camp. So again, top five storylines for fall camp, the ongoing pandemic, installing Mike Bobo's scheme, the quarterback battle, question mark, young star soda defensive recruits getting their turn and filling in the voids left by two of your top playmakers. And the fifth and final one, Shy Smith and then who? Who's gonna catch the football? So really excited, guys. Obviously, I'm gonna have updates and everything, and we're gonna have little, you know, key little takeaways here and there from fall camp. I'm just fired up the football's back. I'm fired up the boys are putting on the helmets, putting on the pads at some point, getting back out on the field, it feels good. It feels good to have football back in our lives. Really, really pumped the Gamecocks if you missed it. Kicking off fall camp Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday, kicking off fall camp. Really, really excited. Um, All right, a couple of news and notes to get into really quickly, and then we'll get into your listener questions. Like I said at the top of the show, very, very exciting news dropping on Sunday afternoon. The schedule drops Tonight, the schedule drops tonight. If you can't get fired up about that, I simply don't know what to tell you. I really, really don't. I'm super fired up for it. Again, I'm going to be breaking everything down, giving my predictions, giving my thoughts, stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to do one big show on Thursday to do it or if I'm going to do like I did last year and go Monday, Thursday and divide it in half. I'm not 110% sure what I'm going to do. I might even bring on a guest to help break down the picks and stuff like that because I think that's really, really fun. Um, but we'll see. But either way, very, very excited. Also, uh, like I said, a couple other small things happening over the weekend. Mike Coatsar signing with the Hamburg Towers. Congratulations, Mike. And I think pretty typical, basically what I expected from Mike. I thought he'd be an overseas player, a guy with some game for sure. Very, very excited for Mike, though, getting that opportunity. Um, Here's a funny thing that happened. ESPN College Football dropped their odds to win the conference, to win the SEC. Um, the, the, the teams you would expect were up there, you know, the Alabamas, the Floridas, the Georgias, the Texas a and M's, whatever. South Carolina <laughs> was one of seven teams that had a 0% chance to win the SEC, according to ESPN College Football. Not, not 0.1, because, listen, even Kentucky – had 0.1%. South Carolina has a 0.00% chance to win the SEC, according to ESPN College Ball. Listen, I ain't picking South Carolina to win the SEC. No doubt. There ain't nobody that's picking South Carolina to win the SEC. But 0.00? Woo. I mean, what? Crazy, man. Just the disrespect. The disrespect is felt right now by me. Um, last thing really quickly. Dallas Beaver. Uh, Played for the Gamecocks this past 2020 season. He has officially announced his retirement from the game of college baseball. So both Bryant Bowen and Dallas Beaver, two big-time transfers, two big-time grad transfers that the Gamecocks picked up over the offseason last year, uh, both deciding to hang up the cleats. And listen, it sucks. I I, I hate it for these guys. I I, I truly, truly, truly hate it for these guys because, you know, it's just unfortunate you know, they've had their, their seasons, they had their, their opportunities ripped from them. I'm basically, when you look at it that way, they had their opportunities ripped from them and with everything going down in college baseball, as far as how they're divvying up scholarships with those guys, both being grad transfers, I think they could have, I think South Carolina can and probably did reduce the money. So at that point, you know, I definitely understand these guys making that decision. I, I understand it's a tough decision. It sucks. Because I think both guys could have been really, really nice pieces for South Carolina. I think they were being nice pieces for South Carolina when when they played in 2020. I think they were both evolving into that. Um, And again, it's just unfortunate to have these guys have their seasons ripped away like that. But again, Dallas Beaver announcing his retirement from the game of baseball. So, uh, well wishes to Dallas. Hopefully, we can get Dallas on the show here soon. Would love to do that. I've talked to him about it before. Hopefully, we can get Dallas on the show, though. Um, and go from there. So, really wish those guys well. All right, let's get into your listener questions. We're going to dive straight into Instagram. Uh, Jordan Portillo, ninety-three. Better receivers this year: Joiner or Doty? Joyner, no question. I, I mean, Luke Doty's a quarterback. Let, let's just put that out there. Luke Doty is a quarterback. The carry on Joiner has practiced all last season and this spring, and we're practicing this fall. At wide receiver ex- exclusively. I expect Dak Joiner to be the better receiver. Uh, he asked, again, how do you feel about Shiloh Sanders and his playing time this year? I think he'll play a lot. I think he'll be in the rotation for sure, especially the safety position, a position the Gamecocks desperately need help at, desperately need help. So um, I feel good. I feel good about it. Listen, I, I, I think, uh, you know, he didn't play a lot last year, and but a guy that is just physically gifted, I mean, for sure. I think if this team, if this, if this coaching staff uses him the right way, he has all the tools. He has the talent, in my opinion. It's just putting him in positions to be successful. So I feel good about shallow, and I think he's a guy that will definitely play a lot, for sure. Um, now, here's an interesting question. Jacob Lynn underscore, how will fans react if Ryan isn't the starter? That is a very good question. And I, I, it's not a, I'm not trying to you know, use a cop-out answer, but I don't know. I don't know how fans will react, to be honest with you. I, I really, really don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I I just, I don't know, you know, I, I I mean, I guess you just roll with the, I mean, you just, listen, I I don't, as much as I like, like these guys, quote unquote, I don't care who plays. I want to win games, make the decisions that are best for the team. You know, don't worry about hurting people's feelings or hurting some fans. Dude, whoever plays, let's just make sure he's the best guy for the job and it's not a slight on Ryan it's not disrespect to Ryan but if Colin Hill wins the job he simply wins the job you know i think fans will certainly have mixed emotions because listen fan bases of football teams i don't care if it's college if it's high school if it's nfl they all want to be able to invest themselves in their guy you know to, to ha- that, you know, that's why the search for a franchise quarterback is so important at the nfl level every franchise wants to cuz the you know the quarterback is the ceo of the franchise, basically, you're the face of it, and it's basically that same way in college as well. So, I think fans will be a little bit torn on it for sure. Um, but I, I think game listen, Gamecock fans, I don't think they'll be upset or anything. I, I think Gamecock fans will be excited for whoever's behind center, whoever gets that opportunity. Um, so yeah, but the 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 reaction will be very interesting because you know we know how rational everybody is on Twitter, right? How 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 how. <laughs> How rational the people of Twitter are. You know, we, we, we definitely understand and know, uh, know how rational they are for sure. So, I'm sure there'll be some funny reactions when and if that happens. But, uh, no, listen, I think Gamecock fans will support whoever's behind center, whether it be Ryan, whether it be Colin Hill, whether it be Luke Doty, whether it be Dak, who gives a damn? Let's just go win some ball games. Um, Jeffrey underscore Crosby, how are you feeling on the new Garnet jersey? Yes, so over the weekend, we got a leak of the new Garnet jersey. Um, basically with the Black Magic jersey, the throwback striping on the shoulders, but it had the traditional Carolina and traditional numbers on the jersey. I mean, I like them. You know, if that is if that is the jersey, if that's the Garnet jersey, I don't love the Under Armour font. I, I'm not a fan of it necessarily. Um, I, I like the shoulder stripes, and if they're going to go to the pants with the stripes as well, like they've been doing at Media Day, you know, listen, I'm a fan of that too. Um, I I honestly love the Gamecocks across the chest and the number style and the throwbacks more. And, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing Gamecocks on the Jersey because, you know, I I get what everybody says about, you know, we're the real Carolina. And I agree. Listen, I, I love to poke with North Carolina fans and tell them that we are the real Carolina, but having Gamecocks and like claiming Gamecocks and flaunting Gamecocks, that's what makes us stand out. I mean, besides Jacksonville state, there are no other Gamecocks. So, Having the Gamecocks as a mascot is what makes us unique. So, again, I mean, I like them. You know, I I just – my biggest thing with the uniforms, and it's so funny because I don't know if he's listening or not, but I have a buddy of mine that we talk all the time about uniforms. We talk all the time. What do you want from the uniforms? They should do this. They should do that. I just want South Carolina to come out with a uniform that it can stick with for a long time. You know, listen, I know the big thing nowadays, you know, the recruits love all the crazy alternates. And I'm not saying they're not cool and they're not fun. but I'm. I just really want South Carolina to find a uniform it can stick with for the next five, six, seven, ten years. You know what I mean? And it feels like we're changing uniforms every freaking year. So we'll see. But I, I do like it. I think it looks sharp. It looks snazzy. It'll be it'll be cool to see it like actually unveiled uh, and released. But it does look cool. It does look cool for sure. So if that's the jersey, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with that for sure. Uh, Evan Bates underscore o eight. Who wins the quarterback position? I've got Colin Hill. Dude, I'm gonna go Ryan right now because there's more knowns about Ryan Helinski than there are Colin Hill. Is Colin Hill 110% healthy? Is Colin Hill ready to play against SEC competition? If he is, then maybe he does take the job. But right now, I'm going conservative. I'm going with the safe pick. I'm saying Colin Hill wins the job for sure. Uh BH dot King Mike, the main storyline for Ginkcock so heading into the 2020 football season. I just talked about what the top storylines are heading into fall camp. But heading into the season, man, I mean, listen, the top storyline has to be just Will Muschamp and his job status. I, I mean, whenever I talk with anybody, when i talk to, you know, when I talk to Brett Cianci of Pick Six Previews, when I talk to Phil Steele, the first topic you talk about, the first topic we always talk about is Will Muschamp and just his job status and what he has to do to show progress in this program. That's what it comes down to. You know what I mean? So – and I think that's, that's going to be your top storyline. There are definitely a ton of other things, but just Will Muschamp, his job status, what this season means for this program and for him as a head coach, I think that's got to be your lead storyline for sure. Um, let's see. We have one more question, I believe, from Twitter. Let me pull it up here really, really quickly. Yeah, here we go. And it comes from our buddy Terrence Harris. Terrence, I appreciate you, man. You're always asking questions, being interactive. I really do appreciate that. Um, Terrence asks, who will be the offensive and defensive MVPs? That's a good question. I, I think offensively, Marshawn Lloyd. I think the offense is going to revolve around him. I think he's going to be the bell cow back. I think he's going to have a great freshman season. I could see him rushing for seven or 800 yards. I mean, seriously. I think he will be the focal point. Um, so give me Marshawn Lloyd on the offensive side. On the defensive side, hmm, probably Ernest Jones. Uh, you know, it's there's so many different guys. I mean, you could go with J.C., you could go with Izzy. But I'll tell you, man, Ernest Jones you know led the team in tackles last year when you had T.J. Brunson on the roster. Now T.J.'s gone. Dude, who knows? He might hit 100 tackles in a 10-game season. So I've got Ernest Jones being the defensive MVP. I, I think he's going to be that solid rock in the middle for South Carolina. He's going to also uh, benefit greatly from the defensive line being as good as they should be. So I'll say offensive – Marshawn Lloyd defensively, give me Ernest Jones to be the MVP. So, appreciate the listener questions, guys. Uh, Really, really do. Appreciate you guys always interacting, stuff like that. It's a whole lot of fun. Now, we have a phenomenal interview upcoming for you guys. Former Gamecocks running back, do-it-all player, really, because you guys remember, he played running back, he played defense, he was on special teams, he did it all. But A.J. Turner was obviously extremely excited to get A.J. on the show. A guy – who has great knowledge of everything going on within the program he's on the team last year so was on the team the entire will must champ era um so really great interview one of the best interviews i've ever conducted aj also i do want to say outside of the football stuff outside of on the field just an awesome dude you're going to hear it in the conversation but an extremely humble guy so i definitely want to shout out make known just how good of a dude he is a team first guy yes sir no sir Um, willing to do whatever to help the team win. I think you saw that in his career. So, again, a phenomenal conversation upcoming. Sit back, relax, enjoy it. It's all brought to you once again by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app. Go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP. You're going to save $20 off your first purchase. Guys, like I said, football is on the way back. We're going to get over COVID at some point. I promise you, this too shall pass. This will be over with at some point. Fans are gonna get back in the seats. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to concerts again. We're gonna go to comedy clubs again. We're gonna just go do things again. And you're gonna need your tickets. SeatGeek is the way to go. They got a great ticket rating system which rates the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're gonna guys. So never again you have to worry about scalping. I mean, scalping is gonna be a thing of the past, anyways, because we're trying to social distance, we're trying to avoid touching it. I mean, I don't wanna touch the same ticket, some random stranger. He might have the COVID. I don't know. He might have something else. I don't know. I don't wanna deal with that. Who 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 gets in with a paper ticket anymore, right? It's all done through your phone. SeatGeek is the way to go in that regard, guys. Download the app. Go to the website. And for goodness sakes, use the promo code. Save yourself some money. I'm trying to give you free money right now. Um, But simply put, they're changing the game. Getting the best bang for your buck. You're going to know exactly where you're sitting, what you're paying, the type of deal you're getting. So, hey, mate, if you want to flip tickets and resell, be my guest. Do that. No shame in the game. So, yeah, SeatGeek is the way to go for that. So, again, go download the SeatGeek app go to SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. Enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks running back A.J. Turner. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up Show, a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2015 to 2019. He was a bit of a do-it-all player for South Carolina. Offensively, he had 264 carries for 1,336 yards and eight touchdowns. He also caught the football, 47 receptions, 335 yards, and three touchdowns. He also had 28 kickoff returns for 592 yards, and even played defense 11 total tackles in his career and two fumble recoveries. was a big piece of the Gamecocks special teams unit as well. In 2016, Athlon named him to the SEC All-Freshman Second Team. And in 2017, he was named the Most Most Explosive Player Award for the offensive side of the football. I'm very pleased to be joined by former Gamecocks running back. And like I said, do-it-all player for South Carolina, A.J. Turner. A.J., appreciate you taking the time, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. No problem. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. So, A.J., I want to go back to the beginning for you, your recruitment. You're a guy from Clifton, Virginia, um, and you got recruited at a very interesting time, A.J., as far as South Carolina was sort of coming off of its great run from 2010 to 2013. Um, you get in, and I'm sure you didn't know, you got redshirted as a true freshman in 2015. Little did you know that that would be Steve Spurrier's last year as head coach. But just just talk about your overall recruitment. Again, being from the state of Virginia, you come down to South Carolina, Um, What was that recruiting process like and what made you want to be a game guy?
2: Um, Well, actually, I'm really from Florida. I'm really from Tallahassee. But I just ended up moving up there uh, and I graduated up there. But, uh, yeah, like coming from up there to obviously South Carolina, somewhere that I've never been besides like going on visits and stuff, it was uh, it was something. And like you said about the Steve Spurrier, like nobody, nobody knew that was going to happen. And that was kind of like a big thing for me of like why I came here. I mean, I knew I wanted to play SEC ball, had other SEC offers or whatnot. And, you know, I just love Steve Spurrier because I, I used to be a Gator fan. Like I used mm-hmm. to love the Gators. And, you know, my brother went there. And I just, like really respected him and really admired him. And when he came to my home and he did a home visit, you know, him and my parents just kind of clicked and it was just, it was just great. So I felt like I was making the right decision by coming to South Carolina. Uh, You know, he's the old ball coach. Like who wouldn't want to play for the old ball coach? But yeah, it was, it was interesting because nobody really knew like that was going to happen. Like I, from my perspective, like I remember coming to practice and, Like, he just didn't show up. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like, oh, man, like, like where's our coach? And then we kind of find out on social media. So it wasn't, you know, a a great time. And then we had an interim head coach, I believe at the time, was Mm -hmm. Sean Elliott. He was the offensive line coach. Uh, So, yeah, that was just a – that was a lot. And then, you know, the transition to, you know, getting a whole new coaching staff and, you know, like with Muschamp and, you know, Bentley and everybody. Uh You know, it's just it's just hard, you know, as a football player. You know, when somebody brings you in, they expect a certain thing from you, so you know what they're expecting, and you know what they want from you. But you know, when new people come in, you kind of really don't know, and it's you know they might have their own plans. You know, they mm-hmm. might bring in their own guys. So you know, you just got to really be on your p's and q's as far as like making sure you're doing everything that you can. But it's, it's it was definitely an experience, though it definitely a ride for me.
1: Yeah. uh, You know, with, with the transfer portal being such a big thing now, I'll ask you, I mean, again, you get on campus and that happens and I'm sure there's so much uncertainty. I mean, did, did transferring ever cross your mind? Cause again, like I said, you know, transferring maybe back in like 2010, 11, 12, it wasn't such a big thing, but now, I mean, everybody's just up and transferring. And like you said, it's tough when you go through that coaching change, because like you said, you're not one of the guys that the new coaching staff recruited. So you don't know how you fit into the equation. Um, did you ever question your future at South Carolina? Did that ever come up, or um, I guess what was what was your thought process when that happened? Because again, you're you're the new kid on campus, and you lose your head coach. And again, I have to imagine there was a lot of uncertainty for you personally as a player.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't think about it. Uh, but you know, I ultimately I uh, decided to stay there. But uh, it was definitely. Yeah, like as far as like, the whole transfer, everybody's transferring. Like it's it's really crazy, I and mean, I feel like they're making like all these new rules and stuff just so people can transfer to these different schools and you know play right away. Uh, but yeah, like as far as like um, expecting, like trying to figure out what to expect from these new people, and you know being like the new kid on the block, like coming in and then like losing my coach, mm. and then trying to you know gain or you feel me prove myself to all these other people to show them that you know I can play or you know I can do this I can do that you know it's just you gotta prove yourself and that was all it was like and it was like that for the rest of my time there like it didn't really matter like what I did I just always had to prove myself and you know come to work you know do my working and and get out so
1: now, you talked about Will Muschamp. I want to go to that first team meeting. Obviously, he's hired. He comes in. Just talk about what was the transition like. What was that first team meeting like? And, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about your freshman year in just a second. I mean, you were used a ton. I mean, again, all SEC freshmen, second team by Athlon. They obviously had a plan for you. I think you were the second leading rusher on the team to Rico Dowdle. So, you were used a lot. I mean, what was the plan for you overall? And I guess what were those first interactions like with Will Muschamp when he took over?
2: Um, I remember uh, the first team meeting. It was it was pretty it was pretty intense because you know he had to lay down the law and what mm. he expected and stuff. But one thing about Coach Mushan that I can say he's definitely about his business, and that was something that that was like a vibe or aura that was given off like you know whenever he entered the room, especially the for the very first time,
0: because
2: mm. you know but before that you just know like oh he came from Florida and you know people were like making jokes he had like angry videos on youtube like oh he's going to be mean <laughs> he's going to be mean so everybody was just expecting this you know like super super tough guy and don't get me wrong he is uh but they were expecting this super tough guy but it was it was super intense for the for the first meeting but then after you know he started to get to know everybody you know learn everybody's names and then after that it was Everything was fine. Like me and him, we joked around all the time. Like, like I told him he looked like Fred Flintstone one time. Like we were just, yeah, like we were just. We, me and we always joke around. Like especially if we were eating or you know in between uh, walking to meetings and stuff like that. But he's he's a really great guy.
1: So moving into that freshman season again, you're a red shirt freshman, AJ, and like I said, they used you a ton. I mean that freshman year, 116 carries, almost. Just under 500 yards, 497. You had three touchdowns. You also had 21 catches for 143 and a touchdown in the backfield. I mean, you started fast. I mean, you led the team that first game against Vandy Will Muschamp's first win, 13 carries for 70 yards. Um, You had an 18-yard touchdown reception against Mississippi State. You had the 80-yard kickoff return against East Carolina, which I know nobody forgets that as well. Um, What clicked for you in that freshman season? And I guess what was the plan for you? Again, because you guys had a really nice one-two punch with you and Rico Dowdle and I I mean obviously you were on the team but what was so crazy about the beginning of the Will Muschamp era was the injection of you know the youth movement if you will in Columbia as far as all these true freshmen playing you know it obviously started out with Perry Orth and Brandon McIlwain but Jake Bentley's inserted so you had a freshman quarterback you had two basically freshman running backs you had a freshman wide receiver and Brian Edwards um what was the plan for you? What clicked? And I guess how cool was that to be making an impact with all these other freshmen like yourself? Um, I think something that clicked with me
2: was, you know, like I said earlier, like with Musham, I, I just felt like every practice and, you know, every rep you just had to prove yourself. And I feel like I – I that's what I did. I tried to prove that, you know, I can do this, I can do that, you know, I can run the ball, I can run up the middle, you know, I can catch the ball, you know, I can do these um different things. Uh but like as far as like the freshmen, like it's everybody binding together, like it was it was real cool. Like, you know, knowing that okay, the freshmen have to step up in order for us to, you know, do what we have to do this season. And, you know, that kind of like brought everybody together, especially as freshmen, we're all new. So you know, we're already kind of you know trying to fill everything out, but we knew we had each other. So that was some. And, and like I said, like uh, Rico, Brian, like we're all super cool to this day. Like we stay up to date. You know, we talk and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like my freshman year, I just I really loved the way that they used me. Uh, you know, they let me you know run at the middle, like I said, you know, run sweeps, do jets throw the ball to me uh, and I do feel like that's something that I can do and that I feel like I might be good at um, but I just felt like it was there was a need and I was willing to fill the role or whatever it was and you know being able to get the opportunity was a blessing because I was able to showcase that I can uh, do these different things so as far as that you know it was just it was just getting the opportunity because you know like I said like I know I. I work hard um, whatever I do, practice, and I just know that, you know, I have a God-given ability, um, and, you know, I just do what I can to uh, make it mean. So, I mean, if my coach tells me, oh, I need you to do this, like, Mm -hmm. yes, sir. I'm a yes, sir, no, sir, type of dude. Like, I'm I'm just going to do whatever it takes or, or whatever I'm told, and that's that.
1: Yeah, you're definitely a team guy and a selfless guy, and I want to get in that just a little bit. Kind of on a funny note here, AJ, I just thought about this. That first game against Vanderbilt, literally the first kickoff of the Will Muschamp Muschamp era. That was you, correct? that it was almost a safety.
2: Yeah, that was.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it was you. This is your first game actually suited up, getting game action. And I remember that so vividly because it was literally the first kickoff ever of the Will Muschamp era. And everybody's thinking, "Oh my God, did he go out and come back in and get a safety?" Thankfully, you didn't. We can laugh about it now, obviously, because you didn't, and and all that. But like, how how scared were you, I guess, after that happened? Like, oh my God, if this is a safety, Will must is going to tussed me into the ground basically
2: yeah so <laughs> i was i was definitely worried about that i was like man i'm gonna get an earful when i go <laughs> to the sideline like for sure but also like it was a mixture of that like you know me just being nervous it was like my first that was my first college play ever mm-hmm. like yeah, you know getting the ball kicked me and stuff but that's no excuse You know, i should have like I said, we look at it differently now. It's not funny now, but I can laugh. But it's just yeah, I was super nervous and thank God I didn't get a <laughs> I didn't get a safety because that be that wouldn't have been a bad start to the Will mushroom area, for sure.
1: No doubt. So I wanna move to another game that 2016 season, AJ, the Texas A and M game, which was I would argue was your best game that season. One of your best games, the Gamecock, I would say. Um you start the game off in great fashion. 75-yard touchdown round on literally the first play of the game. Talk about just that play, what you saw. I mean, I was in the stadium that day. It was absolutely electric. I mean, no better way to start the game off against the ranked Texas A&M team. Just, I mean, what that that had to be just a rush of emotions. And I'm sure, you know, every play you have the mindset, I'm going to take this to the house, but to actually do it on the first play of the game, I mean, that, that was a crazy beginning to that one.
2: Yeah, I. Like- being a freshman and, you know, knowing that we were going to play a ranked team like Texas A&M, some, somebody like a team that's known like worldwide, like I was just super pumped. We all were super pumped, you know, and, you know, that first play I just remember we I knew what the play was going to be. And I did it, and in the film it looked like I stumbled because I, mm-hmm. I almost tripped over my lineman's foot. But I caught myself, and, you know, I just – I did what I had to do, take it to the house. Uh, but that was a super electric moment uh, for me. Like you said, it was the first play of the game. So I know it kind of got everybody's morale, everybody's hope, the fans. Right? It was it was great. And like I said, like being a freshman, I'm like, man, like I love this. I love this. And yeah, it was, it was great. Like, it was great.
1: I want to fast forward a little bit, AJ. The sophomore season, 2017, which statistically was your best year. But you guys go on as a team and win the Outback Bowl, a crazy comeback win over the Michigan Wolverines. Um, Just talk about that season as a whole and getting to that point. Again, a nine-win season. You cap it off with an Outback Bowl win. Um, How cool of an experience is that, again, to be a part of a team that accomplished something like that?
2: Uh, It was definitely a great experience. And, you know, that year, I believe, like, Sky Moore and, you know, those guys, those older guys, Bryson, um, you know, they they were in the Spur area too. So, you know, I was able to relate to them in that way. And we were able to get real close. Um, But, yeah, just I feel like the guys that we had on that team were just willing to work, man, like doing whatever. Like the leadership, I believe that year was – was tremendous like it was it was great and you know everybody followed because they weren't just saying it like they were doing it too mm. uh and yeah that whole year and just being being a part of that team, uh like i'll never forget that like i still have my outback bowl jersey hung up um uh, and it's still got the grass stains <laughs> on it and stuff like you'll never forget that like you know having that experience of going to a bowl game uh is for me, I, I loved it. I loved mm. it, man. Like, just, you know, it was kind of like a vaca- a business trip but, like, a vacation at the same time. Um, and, I, yeah, it just really – we really enjoyed ourselves. And that whole season, like, I just remember, like, we were working. Like, mm. I mean, we work every season, but that season in particular, I can really say, like, we were really, really, really working. And so I think it, it ended up paying off as far – just getting invited to that and, you know, being able to ultimately win that.
1: For sure. So you were a guy, AJ, that you dealt with a lot of injuries from ankles to shoulders to knee to whatever. Uh, you know, what was it like as far as just overcoming that adversity? I mean, again, it, it doesn't just take a toll on you physically, but mentally as well when you're having to overcome injury after injury. And, again, listen, you play football, you're going to have those nicks and those bruises. Everybody has them. But to overcome all that adversity, I think speaks to the type of player and the type of person you are. Just, just talk about, I guess, what that was like battling that, battling those injuries. And I mean, again, you, you continue to overcome, overcome, overcome every single injury you had.
2: Like having an injury isn't fun, especially when you're doing something that you love. So like when somebody tells you, you have to sit out or, you know, you can't be a part of this or you can't do that. Like it's, it's, it's depressing like you don't really want to hear it because it's something that you love to do but ultimately like you gotta look at the bigger picture you gotta look at the long run well they're telling me to you know suck it up being pain now but you know once I rehab you know I'm gonna be able to get back mm-hmm. versus you know trying to still play and potentially um uh, messing up whatever injury it was even more and then have to sit out even more time so it's kind of like an investment in the decision. Uh, yeah, that you had to make. And, yeah, like like I said, having an injury, it sucks. Like, it sucks. Like, I remember being on the sideline, like, just being real sad. Like, seeing everybody suited up. I'm just in my jersey and some shorts. Like, you know, like, I, I want to play too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, emotionally, it was – emotionally, mentally, it was definitely hard. But, like, something that got me through it is – like whatever kill you doesn't make you stronger mm. and also like you can't let an injury just one injury or even multiple injuries like bring you down to where you just you know like you can't really do anything you can't really function. because like, what purpose does that serve you're trying to like, you got to do you got to be a man about it. You know, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, having an injury it, it really sucks. And being able to persevere each time. I believe really, like I really didn't I feel like I didn't really get injured that much. I had a concussion in 2018. Uh maybe yeah, Nixon and Bruises like my freshman sophomore year. Uh but like my last year there, it was it was bad. That was super hard for me, and especially like, you know, being moved to to DB. You know, feeling that, you know, I, I'm naturally or I feel like I was a, a running back. But, you know, I, I'll do whatever. Like I said earlier, I'm a yes or no, sir, kind of guy. Like, I'm thinking about my team before I think about, like, my own selfish needs. And, uh, yeah, so, like, my last year was definitely tough. Like, mm. it was it was really hard. I, I will admit that. Um, and I had to get through it. And... Uh, It took some time. Like it wasn't like an immediate like, oh, okay, well I'm gonna just rehab from this and I'm gonna be back. Cause it it was happening one after another, shoulder stinger, hamstring, other hamstring, like, you know, like that stuff. And those are things that you're out for a good amount of time. And I mean, as the stats or whatever says for my last year, like I didn't I didn't play that much at all. Mm -hmm. Like so that that was and especially it being my senior season like my last season that was like another thing that really uh hit home uh you know it's trying to deal with it like it was my last season i had to like go out like that and like to this day like i'm still sad about it if i'm being honest with you like because that's something that you can't get back like you can't get that year eligibility back like you can't get those plays back you can't get those moments back like it's just it, – it sucks. But, I mean, I'm here. Like, I'm still, you know, looking for an opportunity, like like this whole corona stuff as far as, like, going uh, to the next level and, you know, trying to get opportunity at the next level. But, you know, I'm still here. I'm healthy, bigger, probably faster, stronger. And, yeah, I'm, I'm here now, though. But it was definitely hard during that season.
1: AJ, I, I don't think it's any secret that injuries have been a big uh, – a big factor during the Will Muschamp era, I guess you could say. You know, Jeff Dillman fired. you bring in a new strength and conditioning coach. I'll just ask you as someone that dealt with injuries and a bunch of your teammates dealt with injuries as well. I mean, is there any one thing that you can put your finger on that you would say this is why that happened? Or I mean, is there just something in the water in Columbia? Because it's – I mean, it's been crazy how many big impact guys have dealt with injuries. You know what I mean? Every team has injuries. We all know that. But it just seems (laughs) like – for whatever reason, again, I I don't know if it's just something in the water, if it's bad luck. I mean, is there anything that you could put a finger on as this is why there were so many injuries or something that needs to be corrected to keep guys healthy? Or,
2: um, To be honest with you, I, I can't really put my finger on anything. Uh, I mean, I don't think we were – yeah, I can't really put my finger on anything as far as, like, maybe, like, why that was happening. I mean – Weather, I guess, I mean, workload, you know, stuff like that, maybe, possibly, but, like, as far as, like, just, like, one thing, I feel like that, like, that was the reason, or maybe, well, if, because we did that, like, this happened, I can't really necessarily think of anything but maybe it had to be something in the water in Colombia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it seems like every sport too. Like Frank Martin deals with it too. Basketball players get in. I mean, I, and again, sports. There's injuries in sports, no doubt. But it's just crazy. Yeah. It's like every single week, I was like holding. I, I've been holding my breath when the injury report comes out because you're like, God, who's nicked up this time? Like, who's going to be out for this game? Like, you know, every every single game, it's just like somebody. It's always your big impact guys that are that are going to be missing. It's crazy, but. I do want to ask you, you know, again it speaks to the type of dude you are, your character, but where where does that, you know, in a in a in an age where it's such a self-gratification, I feel like people are really selfish nowadays. You've talked about, you've said multiple times, you're a selfless guy, you're a yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am type of guy. You're going to do whatever the team needs. Where does that come from for you? Because again, you know, I mean I'm sure you, you know, not calling out any names or Every team hasn't – not everybody's like that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of guys that are looking out for themselves. Where does that come from for you? Where where does that attitude stem from?
2: I just – you know, growing up with a lot of brothers and sisters, like that's just something like you got to learn to – you got to learn to be selfish. Like you got to take care of one another. Like you know what I'm saying? So like as far as like being selfless and stuff like that, I just feel like that was – I mean, I wasn't forcing myself to be like that, but maybe it was just like natural, just because of you know how I was brought up and you know how I was taught, you know to behave and you know what to do and what not to do. Um, but yeah, but ultimately, yeah, like I just, I just felt like you know I was supposed to do whatever. Like the team needs my coach, like I said earlier, like my coach needed me to do something. I'm there. You tell me to jump how high like that's just that's just how I was raised um so if I were any credit I would give credit to my mom (laughs) but like yeah she she definitely drilled that into us
1: now that junior season again you guys win seven games go to the belt bowl but you talked about something earlier and I want to touch on this your move to defensive back what went into that decision because I remember hearing that and thinking to myself just what? I mean, like no, nobody was expecting that to happen. I mean, again, you had a pretty solid junior year, I would say, rushing the football, being an offensive, uh, offensive weapon for South Carolina. I mean, what was the conversation like? What went into that move? Did it surprise you? Again, you're a yes-sir, no-sir kind of guy. You're going to do whatever the team asks. But I have to imagine after three years of being a running back and a lot of times starting and making a contribution, like I said, being an offensive weapon, I'm sure that had to surprise you a little bit. I mean, wh- what was that conversation like to move you to the defensive side of the ball?
2: Um. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd be lying if I was saying I wasn't surprised. Uh, so it was basically a mix of, you know, a lot of people were being, like, injured. A lot of people were out, and they felt like I was athletic enough to do it and that out of anybody else on the team, like, they just chose me, and they felt like I could – do it and actually be great at it. Um, So that was kind of like the talk of it and, you know, doing, I didn't really know, like we talked about like, okay, I was going to be doing both, like, Mm -hmm. you know, running back and DB. Um, So, you know, I I wasn't really going to offensive meetings at the time because, you know, I already knew the offense because it was similar to the uh, year prior to, um but you know I was just in all the defensive meetings because I didn't know anything about it I didn't know the defensive lingo like anything so I just put all my time there because like I said I already knew the offense um, but yeah so like my uh my my impression was you know I was going to be doing both it didn't really uh turn out like that and I just ended up doing DB like you said in the bowl, like. belt I was at corner. I didn't really know what to do. If I'm being honest, but like, you know, I was just I was out there, you know. And if somebody came my way, I was gonna hit them as hard as I can. <laughs> like, but I mean, yeah, that was that was the talk, and you didn't end up playing out that way. But that was that was supposed to be the plan.
1: Now, AJ, I want to go backwards a little bit and backtrack back to your freshman season, your red shirt freshman season because um, I just want to get your take on this situation because like I talked about Jake Bentley, halfway through the season, the coaching staff decides to pull the red shirt off Jake Bentley, who, you know, everybody jokes because all you heard about was this guy should be a senior in high school. This guy should be a senior in high school. He's the young guy, right? Huh. Uh, they pull the red shirt off him though. He takes over. You guys finished the season four and two. And then we also, we all saw Jake Bentley's uh, career progress out. And I'm going to get to his senior year in, or last season in just a second. But, what what was the change you saw in the team from – and, you know, all due respect to Perry Orth Brandon McIlwain, but what was the change you saw when Jake Bentley was inserted in the lineup? Because, obviously, that season it paid off greatly, and he played some great football for you guys, and, obviously, you guys won a lot of games. What, what was the change that you saw, and what was the, I guess, the fire and energy that Jake brought into the team?
2: Um, I think uh, a lot of people looked at him, like you said, like everybody's like, oh, this kid's supposed to be in high school. This kid's supposed to be in high school, but <laughs> – he had a work ethic of somebody that's already been in college, if that makes sense. Uh, so you know, he brought a lot of energy. Uh, even when he first got there, you know, he had leadership. You know, people were listening to him, and, and he was trying to make sure everything was fine and trying to coordinate different things. Like, hey, he was texting the group text, like, hey guys, like let's go throw, let's go throw on Thursday. You know, like after practice or something, you know, do some extra stuff. And you know, he was real big on that, and uh, he really he motivated a lot of people. And I think that was the thing that uh, kind of like made. I mean, obviously, besides like him playing, like him being a great quarterback, uh, but just his off the field like leadership uh, really struck everybody, especially him being the age that he was. So people are already like, hold on, I'm like this dude's so young, and like he talked to me but like nah but I mean he 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 just had he had that gift to be able to to lead people and that's something that I can really say about him mm. so like as far, yeah as far as his impact like his leadership just changed a lot of different things uh so I feel like he ended up like uh his play
1: 2018 I want to fast forward to the Missouri game, the monsoon game. Have you ever been part of a crazier football game than that Missouri game uh in the rain?
2: That was something. <laughs> that was something, man. It was it was muddy, it was
1: and it was it sunny was the nasty. first half and it was sunny the first half, which was crazy. And all of a sudden the rain just Poor, and it was like the harder it rained, the worse Drew Locke in Missouri played, which was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that was an experience, man. Like, it was soaked. Like, you, you feel your compression soaked. Everything's heavy. It was, man, it was it was a lot. But, I mean, you have on your helmet and stuff, so it's not like your head's
0: getting Right, wet. right.
2: But... That was a game. That was, that was that was a crazy game. That was a crazy game. Crazy weather, crazy game, all that.
1: <laughs> now, as an offensive player, AJ, because again, you spent I would say ninety five percent of your career on the offensive side of the ball. You know, it's it's noted South kind of made a couple of different offensive coordinator changes from Kurt Roper to Brian McClendon and now they're going to Mike Bobo, but as an offensive guy, going through those changes, I mean, what's your mindset? I guess as a player, you just kind of have to show up and get to work, like you said before. But, but but, what is the mindset overall, and what was the change like going from Roper to McClendon?
2: Um, I would say that transition is similar to the Spurrier-Mushchamp transition. Really? Uh, maybe, like, not as intense, but... Like like I said earlier, like different people want different things. They're gonna expect different things out of you. So you know, having a, a offensive coordinator change, you know, knowing how you know Kerr Roper, like, he liked to pass the ball, and I, so he, you just gotta kind of know like the the people that you're dealing with and like the stuff that they like. But uh, it was that was hard as well. You know, trying to I mean, people know you can play, but like, can you fit into the system that they're trying to input? Mm. You know, so, like, trying to be able to, like, do all these different things uh, definitely made it hard. Uh, Yeah, just changing anything, man, changing coaches, coordinators is is just difficult because you just – you don't know what to expect. Hmm. And you don't really know exactly, like, what people want. And even if you do give people what you want, like, that doesn't determine or that doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to play or – you're gonna get X amount of playing time, mm-hmm. so you just you just never know. It's like it's like being lost in the forest, literally. Like that's that's the analogy I feel like I can give because you just you don't know anything. Like you just don't know. You're lost.
1: So I, I want to move to last season, AJ. Obviously, your final year with the Gamecocks, and again, you battle a ton of injuries, like you said, which was unfortunate. <laughs> but I just want to talk about that season as a whole. Um, we'll start with the UNC game. I mean, I'll just simply ask you. I was in the building, but I'll ask you what. Is there, is there anything you can put your finger on? I mean, the, the game, the way it unfolded, you lose Jake Bentley after the game, which was terrible. But in your opinion, I mean, what what happened in that game? What 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 would you say? Like, obviously, UNC, I think, was a much better team than people gave them credit for. Is one of the things. But what was there any specific thing? I mean, do you feel like you guys were ready to play? Like, what what was the, you know, what what was the thing? I guess if you can point at anything, or did you guys just get flat out beat?
2: Um, I think the one thing I can say is we didn't make the plays we're supposed to, and the plays uh, – we just didn't – yeah, we didn't execute, and we didn't make the plays that we were supposed to, ball or dropping picks, you know, like fumbling the ball, like mm-hmm. – Just a lot of different things. Like, we just – nobody really executed. Well, I can't say nobody, but, you know, just us as a whole, offense, defense, special teams, we just didn't really execute anything. Like, we know we were tall and we had a plan, uh, but we just didn't make our plays. And it obviously showed. And they made their plays and then some. So, you know, like, that was the result of that.
1: (laughs) So – you lose Jake Bentley after the game, insert Ryan Holinski, who comes in, obviously, this touted blue-chip recruit. I'll kind of ask you, similar to the Jake Bentley situation when he was inserted. I mean, what was – obviously, I mean, I, I have to imagine the team was a little devastated because, I mean, you lose your senior quarterback, you lose your leader, your undisputed leader, no question. Um, but insert Ryan Helensky, and he definitely had an energy, a spark of his own, just – I guess just talk about that transition. How tough was that for the team or how I mean, did that did that give you guys a spark? What was that overall transition like going from Jake Bentley to Ryan Helensky?
2: Um, I think everybody was kinda kinda shook about Jake. Uh but, you know, knowing about Ryan and trying to you know, get to know Ryan. Well everybody really knew Ryan before he even came in because, you know, mm. the uh hope for Helensky – Right. A thing like was big and it was always like broadcasting and stuff like that. So just kind of knowing his story uh, was a big thing and, you know, just making sure that we were behind him. So I feel like with Ryan is similar to Jake. Uh, he was very motivated. Uh, I'm sorry. He was very motivated. And yeah, he, he had a thing with leadership too. Like he wasn't afraid to tell people mm-hmm. if they were doing wrong, like, hey, tighten up. Or, uh, you know, he just – he did what he had to do. And like Jake also, like, he was always trying to implement extra things. Like, hey, we're going to do 7-on-7 seven seven this day. Or, like, you know, I'm going to throw it to the running backs this day. Because I remember specifically me personally asking Ryan, hey, you trying to throw me some passes? Like, mm. after practice, and it's sure, no problem, of course. Sure, no problem, of course. Like, no no questions asked kind of thing. And he was just a great guy. You know, he had a story and everybody respected him, and respected his story and what he had going on. So, you know, that was just something that we kind of used to, you know, just bond together as a team and, you know, help Ryan out because we knew obviously the position we were in, we're going to have to have a freshman come and, you know, take over, Uh, take over the position we felt like we were, we were good in, but then we lost Jake. So, uh, like that whole transition was I wouldn't say it was hard because like I said, like we all had hopes and expectations of Ryan and like knowing his story like uh just made us come together and made us, you know, do what we had to do.
1: Talk about AJ, the impact of Thomas Brown. Um because he comes in as the running backs coach. Unfortunately only there one year. He's now with the LA Rams, which speaks to how good of a coach he is. But Just talk about his impact, because I thought you saw the running back room. You guys as a whole, the running game as a whole, I thought, took a major step forward and certainly improved from 18 to 19. But just talk about his impact, you know, being a running back under a guy like that who has so much experience, has done it at the SEC level, done it at a high level. Again, obviously now in the NFL, just speaks to the type of coach he is. How big of an impact did he have on that position group?
2: Uh. I think he added um I think he had impact yes uh, I think he added uh, a lot of structure to mm. the group as far as like you know we're going to be doing this this time that time you know we're going to be meeting here don't be late mm. I could just hear his voice <laughs> He's like don't be late uh um, <laughs> And, yeah, he just – he was really structured, and, you know, we did a lot of different drills and stuff. And you could just tell that he was really experienced and he knew what he was talking about. And, you know, he was a great guy, a great coach. Uh, like you said, he already had the credentials, so it wasn't like anybody was doubting what he was saying uh, or anything like that. But, yeah, I would say the biggest thing is that he he came in and he – from what I, when I was in the running back room, I can only speak for it, but uh, yeah, he definitely just added structure to the whole room, and that was something that we needed, it was a little more structure.
1: Now, I want to ask you, AJ, because I'm curious, like you said, you were back and forth between defense and offense, but I, I want to ask you, because one of the underrated storylines last year was Tavian Feaster coming in, transferring from Clemson, you know, coming into the running back room, but I'll ask you, as as a, you're listen, you're a team first guy, you're a selfless guy, but do you think the running backs took it a little personal? Because you're all competitors, and this new guy comes in. I mean, you're excited because you add a new playmaker, but it's like, we're not going to let this new guy come in and take our carries away. I mean, and it only helps. I think it's all healthy competition, obviously. You know what I mean? Iron sharpens iron. Must Champ said it before. But what was it like adding Tavian Feaster into the mix? Um,
2: I mean, when he came in, like, I was probably in a running back room for like a, maybe a little less. So, but I mean, it just added competition, like you said. Like, mm-hmm. you know, made people everybody work harder. So people, certain people wouldn't think that they just had a job, or you know, you still had to prove yourself, kind of like what I was saying earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it was just healthy competition from when I was a part of it. Uh, just yeah, the more the more competition you got, the more people are gonna try. You know, the harder people are gonna play, and that's just
1: elevates the whole
2: room. But AJ, it definitely,
1: yeah, it, I would say it definitely changed. For sure. AJ, talk about that upset in Athens against the Georgia Bulldogs. We got to talk about that one. Um, I, I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest upset in school history, beating Georgia on the road. I think they were, what, ranked third or something like that. Um, I mean, how, how awesome was that? I, what Just explain the feeling when Rodrigo Blankenship pulls the kick and you guys win that game. <laughs>
2: that was a crazy it it, it was crazy man it was it was electric like once he missed the kick i've never been so happy as somebody missing the kick (laughs) like it it was crazy it was wild um but yeah like in the locker room i'll never forget that that's an experience that i'll take to my grave i'll tell my kids about you know like being in the locker room after that game just everybody being electric you got coaches dancing (laughs) <laughs> you got Mo sham dance. You got cigars were dance. lit you too. You
1: got the cigars lit. Cigars were lit. Were lit. <laughs> cigars
2: were lit. People had roses in their mouth like we was in a rose bowl. So like
1: it was crazy.
2: Everybody dancing. Like it was. It was. It was a great time. My my like, question
1: is this. My question is this. Who had the cigars on deck ready to light? Like was that? Did you? Did you guys plan that? Like all right, we're gonna take <laughs> the cigars because we know we're about to get this dub. See.
2: I don't even know that. I don't, I don't, even, who, know that. I don't even know. Who has cigars on crazy. day? That's so funny. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Like, when I came in, because I'm usually, like, one of the last people to come in. Uh, 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 when I came in, like, I just seen it. I seen smoke coming from I'm like, wait, what's going on? Like, gonna oh, blow up, and I see everybody smoking cigars. I'm like, wait, who who brought these? Like, there's so many of them. So yeah, they had to have planned that or something. Had to be a coach. I know it wasn't a player.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think a player sneaking in cigars to Sanford Stadium. Um, you know, wrapping up here, AJ. I'll ask you just as far as the the future of the program, the direction the program is going. In, again, this is going to be a really weird, crazy year. You know, it's announced it's a conference-only schedule, ten games, and you know, we all have our finger fingers crossed that we're actually going to play it and get it all through. I think we will. I'm staying positive, optimistic about that. But 10 game schedule year five. Again, I, I know all of you guys are on social media. You all hear the chatter. It's unavoidable about the status of Will Muschamp as head coach. And I guess what's expected. And obviously, you guys go out there as competitors expecting to win every single game. So maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, it's irrelevant to you guys. But you know, how, how, I'll just ask you, as someone that was just on the team last year, how do you feel about the overall status of the program, the culture of the program, the direction it's headed in under Will Muschamp? And, you know, with the team they currently have going in this season, I think you would agree there's a ton of talent on that team, especially with the recruiting class you brought in with the Marshawn Lloyds and the Jordan Burches, and the, you know, Zach Pickens coming back and that, that defense and just the talent you guys already had. But how do you feel about the overall state of the program right now?
2: Um, I mean, it's hard to really say because uh, I haven't been there recently, but, like, I can only uh, just take a stab at it. Like, I mean, just knowing the kind of guy uh, Mushamp is, like, I know that – I know he's going to have everything under control. Like, I know he's going to make sure everything's straight. I also didn't know about the uh, – like, the whole status of, like, Muschamp, like – not being the head coach, I didn't really know too much about that. Like that, I just don't really pay. But I just feel like the culture there. I mean, it's like cool, cool one another. I mean, you're gonna have your disputes, dis- like your arguments, your fights, you know, O line versus D line kind of thing. Like you're gonna have that, but I just feel like you know, it's it's in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Um. Just com- competition. Like, you know, people get people get real competitive and stuff. And, like, the coach you've there is, yeah, like, you got to be competitive because you're not being competitive, like, you're not going to play. So, mm. uh, I feel like the, the overall uh, look at the program, like you said, like, there, I know there's a lot of talent on the team. It's, it's still a puzzle, I feel like, because I don't feel like it's anything we don't have – uh, good players or anything like that. Like our talent isn't good enough. you like, just I feel like you have to uh, use people in the right way. And uh, yeah, like ha- have a scheme. Um, but yeah, the coach there was great, man. I, when I was there, like I I really enjoyed Columbia, like, especially not being there now, like. I remember when I was there, I was like, man, I hate Columbia. I hate <laughs> Columbia. I hate Columbia. But, I mean, it was a family there, man. That's something that I'm going to always have. Like, I'm always have those connections. I'm going to always be able to talk to those people. I'm always be able to come back to the, uh, to the stadium for a game card. So, yeah, the coaching there, I would say is really it's a great squad family. here.
1: AJ, I'm gonna get you out of here, but last thing really quickly, you look back on your career at South Carolina. What's one favorite memory or maybe a couple that stick out to you in your time in Garnet and Black?
2: I would say I would say going to the Outback Bowl. Mm-hmm. I would say the Texas AM game. Um, those were some of my uh great moments uh and after we beat Georgia, is about that (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah uh those moments were were crazy the missouri game we talked about that earlier too that was nuts i say those those are things that pop up the most and stuff like that but that's that's positive you know what i'm saying
1: for sure. Do, do you have? I'll add one more question. Do you have any like funny, notable Will Muschamp stories that you can tell? That you can tell on the airwaves, obviously. I'm sure there's plenty that uh, <laughs> we can't share. Is there anything notable though? Maybe directly in you know involving you or another player that like just something that sticks out from your time uh, times around Will Muschamp. Obviously, calling him Fred Flintstones a pretty hilarious thing. I will say say that. I haven't thought about that. That is pretty funny.
2: Um. Uh... I remember when Musham, he came into the meeting, he had this shirt on. Um, it says, I love, I love urgency. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody, everybody was like, what? And he came in there, he was just, he was going crazy. He was like, yeah, everybody's going to be urgent. We're we're going to move and we're going to have a pep in our step. And he was just, he was just going crazy in the meeting room and everybody was laughing. And everybody was bugging Uh and that, yeah, that's something that I'll never forget. That one day he came in there with him, he started wearing it. I'm pretty sure he still wears it, or <laughs> not, because it's probably still relevant to the people that are there. But like, that was something that was a funny moment. Uh, he just like he, he's a funny guy as far as like talking to him in passing and he'll say something uh, like, I don't know if I can say everything on air, but like he'll say something that just make you be like did he really just say that? Like one time he <laughs> told me uh, we were eating breakfast together. Uh, this was after I told him uh, no, this was before I told him he looked like Fred Flintstone, the same day. The only reason why I told him he looked like that was because he said I looked like Alfred E. Newman Something like that, like, yeah. I think i was reading, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. So I was like, Well, you look like that. that's just how I am. Somebody talk about me, I'm gonna talk about shoes.
1: <laughs> that's so awesome. Well, AJ, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Man, I know I know, I speak for all Gamecock fans when I say, uh, it was a pleasure to watch Garnet and Black. And like I said, just your attitude about everything, being the selfless dude that you are, being the team player. Um, It's awesome. I think it speaks to your character, the type of dude you are. And like I said, I know Gamecock fans, we all appreciate that. And you represent South Carolina very well, my friend. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Let's definitely do it again soon. For sure.
2: For sure. No problem. Thank you for giving me the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. So he's AJ Turner. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.